Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot 2.0 goes well with both red and white and is perfect with the workout of your choice. Our hosts are Aaron Berlin, a former Kansas Jayhawk who believes the Orlando Magic will win the championship. Eventually. (laughs) His partner is Otto Strong, a man who has covered the NBA since before Dennis Rodman got his first tattoo. Fellas? Thanks so much, Darlene. It is Catch and Shoot 2.0. I am Aaron Berlin. My co-host, his name is Otto Strong. Otto, how's it going? Oh, doing okay. How you doing, sir? You know, not too bad. We actually got a live sporting event this past weekend, which was a lot of fun. It was the match too. I'm going to ask you that real quick here in a second, but I do want to mention coming up here in about five minutes, we're going to talk with Roy Perry. He is the beat writer for the Orlando Magic. Uh, he's been with the Orlando Sentinel for about two years. We're going to talk to him about this idea of the NBA creating a bubble city here in Central Florida, if Aaron Berlin will be allowed access into those basketball games and what that could look like for the rest of the league. But before we get into that, Otto, I do want to ask you, did you watch the match two on Sunday? I caught a little bit of the match uh, on Sunday. Yes, I did. What were your thoughts on it? Because to me, the exciting thing was, and we don't have to go too far into this. I just thought it was was fun to get sports back, but two, just the trash talking between the players, I thought was tremendous. And why can't we get more things like this in sports moving forward? (laughs) <laughs> well, you know, I mean, all four of those guys are notorious for trash talking. I mean, Manning was, you know, classic, uh, you know, not just not just this past Sunday, but on most Sundays <laughs> during his career. But yeah, that would that would be uh, that would be phenomenal if we got if we got that kind of access. Yeah, absolutely. Who knows? We'll ask Roy Perry about it, see if maybe we can get the NBA to institute it in some of those playoff games that might take place here in Central Florida. But Otto, obviously, it was a tough week, not just uh without having sports, but in regards to the NBA and the basketball community as a whole, as the the league and really the game lost two very important coaches. Number one, Jerry Sloan, longtime jazz coach. And number two, Eddie Sutton, who was inducted into the Naismith Memorial Hall of Fame this year, just couldn't hold on long enough to make it to his induction ceremony. But just, I have some thoughts on Eddie Sutton, you know, how powerful of a coach he was for that Oklahoma State team. But just your thoughts on Jerry Sloan to start. So, I mean, Jerry was not somebody I had ever met, but I had the privilege of being in the same room with him one night. And that, of course, would have been the night that he was inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2009. That was Jordan's year, um, believe it or not. So, um, and I had heard about, about uh, you know, Jerry and his his upbringing and, you know, born and raised on a farm and, and you know, got up every day at 4.30 at a walk to school. And it was I was just really impressed by the story that he told that night. And, you know, the the character that he's displayed throughout his career, obviously he led jazz teams to two, um, you know, NBA finals in 97, 98, although his, you know, his 
legacy extends much more than that. But just you know, it strikes me as a throwback um, to you know to an, an era that's you know uh, you know long gone, so to speak. But it's it's uh, you know, just a, a kind of an iconic uh, coach when you think of of you know the the NBA of a certain era. Like Jerry Sloan is just that guy that comes to mind. Yeah, and you got some. You know, it, it was fun the last few weeks that we got to relive some great moments of his in those finals, right? Um, particularly when talking about the MJ flu game and things like that with that jazz team. I, I thought it was fun for people to relive some of those moments. You know, for, for Eddie Sutton, who finally became a Hall of Famer this past year, he's a member of that class. The, the thing that you think about when you think of Eddie Sutton is, tremendous college basketball head coach uh few people probably realize this but he was the only coach in ncaa history to take four different teams to the ncaa tournament took three of which to a final four you know that just doesn't happen a lot in today's game especially when guys get someplace and they're there 15 20 years but particularly what is lost is how he really carried a university how he carried a program and how he carried a town in stillwater oklahoma on his shoulders really after that plane crash in which two players, two pilots and six support staff members tragically passed away in in 2001. And, you know, that is something that every year come big 12 season, whether it's a Kansas Oklahoma state game or it's uh, the big 12 game of the week, you know, that's something that they talk about every single year and it just hits home. And, you know, you remember one, how good of a leader he was at that time, but to just how good of a person and how good of a mentor he was for so many people around the game of basketball as well. Well said, man. Yeah, absolutely. All right, let's go ahead and talk some basketball about what the NBA could look like upon its return with Roy Perry of the Orlando Sentinel. It is my pleasure to welcome on Roy Perry of the Orlando Sentinel. Roy has covered the magic for the last few years and now gets to cover what might be the most oddball NBA playoff that we could potentially imagine happening here in central Florida. But first off, Roy, thank you so much for taking the time and joining Otto and I, how's your day going? Hey, Aaron, uh, not too bad. I appreciate you having me on. So it's, uh, like you said, it's, it's been an interesting, uh, stoppage to play and, uh, we're all sort of curious as to what's going to happen. Uh, you know, when, once this thing gets going again, if it gets going again, yeah, let's talk about that. You, you, you've covered a Magic team now for the last few years that has kind of been on an upswing. And, you know, they had been on an upswing this year. Uh, they were in the eighth spot in the Eastern Conference prior to the stoppage. What has that been like for this team? You know, I think when a lot of people think about what this playoff resumption could look like in a centralized bubble location, one of the things they're talking about are those fringe teams that were in that six, seven, eight spot, what it looks like for them. For this Magic team, a team that you've covered, what are their thoughts surrounding this? You know, it's 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 one of those things where obviously, you know, you sort of have to temper professional sports, you know, with with real life. And I think first and foremost, it was about making sure that everybody was safe and healthy and, uh, you know, having to step away from the game for a while certainly has not been easy, but something that that players understand, um, you know, in sort of you know, you can appreciate things a little more and, you know, you gain a little bit of perspective and you've seen a lot of players uh, step up. You've seen the organization step up uh, in terms of what they're trying to do within the community and and helping out wherever they can, uh, whether it be with a food donation, you know, or a monetary donation, uh, you know, to help with the food drive. They've been actively involved with the Central Florida, uh, Second Harvest Food Bank of Central Florida, 
so, you know, just so many people that are in, in need of just, you know, basic things these days. Um, I think that that's, that's one of the biggest stories is just the sort of the perspective that it's provided. Um, you know, and certainly, you know, players have been able to appreciate being able to spend some time with their kids. You know, this is certainly not expected at this time of year, especially if you're looking at the playoffs, you know, you're, you're looking at the end of, uh, the end of April, sometime into May, depending on how your team does, obviously that, you know, you may still be involved in basketball. So, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see how they respond from a mental standpoint is in terms of jumping back in and, and getting going again. So, you know, it, it, that aside, along with the physical aspect of it, um, you know, the magic were able to, as a lot of teams did, were able to provide some training equipment to their players. You know, obviously they don't all have access or didn't before they reopened the facilities, some of the teams that is, um, you know, they, they, they had to just, make do with what they had, you know, in terms of strength training, did, you know, as much cardio as they can, but as, as far as basketball skills go, it's, uh, it'd be interesting to see. Hey, hey Roy, so, so uh, let's talk about that, that uh, point that Aaron just raised. So you've got a team in Orlando that, that sitting on the bubble there, you've got teams out West, you know, your Memphis, your Portland. What, what do you think the mindset is of, players or teams with respect to do they show up do they show up at full strength do they treat these more like just kind of glorified scrimmages and just kind of limp out into the into you know into what their off season would be and we'll talk about the teams at the kind of the top of the food chain but those teams that were on the bubble there what what do you what do you think the mindset is if you know or, or what do you think they ought to do yeah, that's a great question, Otto. I, you know, obviously under normal circumstances, you know, when you have a young team like Orlando, you know, getting that playoff experience is just tremendous. Um, you know, you had guys who, you know, took part in the playoffs last year for the first time who talked about how valuable that experience was, you know, and then just how hungry it makes you and, and how much you appreciate the difficulty and, and, and how hard it is to get back there and, and to build on it and be successful. So you, you just can't replace that. You know, this is certainly this is certainly not going to be normal. Uh, you know, it, depending on how they're how they're going to play this out. You know, there's some scenarios where they just go one to sixteen. You know, or there's some talk about some playing. But let's just say, you know, the Magic are that sixteenth seed and they go up against Milwaukee. So, you know, obviously they've not done well against Milwaukee this year. Um, that's probably one of the tougher matchups for them. Um, so I, in terms of how they should approach it, um, you know, I mean, they would want to play, I would think, you know, play as, as hard as they could um, and, and, and just to get that experience. But I just don't know, nobody knows how, how this is going to feel, you know, in terms of the, uh, in terms of the intensity, in terms of the competitive competitiveness. And that's certainly not to say that guys won't play hard. You know, I think it's important to make that distinction, but just in terms of the environment that can be created in an empty arena, I mean, there's certainly little arguing that that's even close to what a, a real playoff game is like. You know, if you were if you were in Toronto last year, uh, you know, you you know, that's a tremendous playoff atmosphere. Um, it's just, you just can't replicate that. So I, you know, I think that that's a it's a great question. I, you know, I think that they would want to try to push that as hard as they could because of the experience they would gain. Um, you know, certainly a team like Orlando, um, you know, they they would 
be hard pressed to beat Milwaukee just based on uh, the way the games have gone this year. But you know, then again, it's the playoffs, and you know anything can happen. Uh, it's just it's sort of one of the tougher matchups for them. Um, you know, and same with uh, you know, with if you look at how Milwaukee might approach it, it's you know, it's it's sort of the same thing. So I think that they should try to play, you know, at, at the highest level that they can, but I, I'm just not sure, you know, if that's, if that's how it's going to play out. Absolutely. You know, you know, Roy, you and I both live here in central Florida, so we understand why the Walt Disney world complex would be of interest to the NBA one, because they're a partner of Disney two, because it has the space. But the first question I get from so many of my friends, whether it's in the Midwest or out West is, why in the world is the NBA looking at Disney? Can you just kind of answer that question for our listeners, why that is an appealing place for them and why it makes sense if you're going to have 15, 16, potentially 30 NBA teams in one location? Yeah, I think that, you know, probably one of the most important things to look at, I don't know if it's been talked about a lot, is just the the relationship that um, the magic have with advent health first of all you know so you've got that component right there you know you've got a health system um that you know those people obviously are are constantly monitoring what you know what's going on with with COVID-19 so you've got that element right away so that's a big plus that's a huge check right there you know in in terms of what Disney can offer logistically you know they have tons of space um you know they can easily house thousands of people um you know i don't know the 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 word bubble has sort of changed um in terms of how it's being defined uh you know i think the nba originally wanted to try to keep as you know the players in check as much uh, as they could and that sort of got they got some pushback from that so you know but you're still allowed to you'd be able to easily contain most of your personnel or not most of your personnel, all of your personnel uh, in, in one area. Um, they've got num- just, you know, a, a number of courts that could be used. Uh, you could have games going on at the same time. Um, everything's set up for broadcasting. So, you know, that's obviously a, a big plus because, you know, the NBA needs that television revenue. So if they're able to broadcast the games and they can start cashing in on that, uh, and that's all that's all set up. You know, there's all sorts of, you know, Wi-Fi capabilities and whatnot. Everything is, is done. You know, and you said that there's been a long partnership between the NBA uh, and Disney. Um, you know, they've had the, the Junior Global uh, Championship out there the last couple of years. Um, so it just it just makes sense logistically, um, you know, trying to, to get everybody in one place if that's what they decide to do. Roy, is there a sense uh, that the Magic could actually use this to their advantage? You know, why you have 20, 22 teams staying in hotels that their players will be sleeping in their own beds downtown? Or is there an expectation that if all those teams are quarantined in Disney, that their players would also be quarantined in a hotel? Uh, that would That's my understanding. I, 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 but I don't know if the, to the extent of the quarantine um, – if they're going to make people stay on the property and not leave um, unsure about that certainly couldn't work to the magic's advantage. Um, you know, if you could certainly, if you could point to any kind of advantage in this chaotic situation, you know, being able to sleep at home and, and be around your family and have a little bit of normalcy, that certainly could be, you know, 
an advantage that the Magic would certainly benefit from. Um, you know, and just I think maybe just the, the you know the familiarity of being in Orlando, and you know, I'm sure that a lot of those guys have been out there, and you know, for whatever reason. So, you know, and just knowing that they get to go home at night, uh, I think that that should, that could certainly uh, you know work work to their benefit. Hey, Roy. So, um, in the Dallas market, uh, the Cowboys. Uh, obviously, Jerry Jones is the owner, uh, and son Stephen Jones <laughs> is is the VP. And for the draft, uh, as you know, they did a remote draft, and father and son were not supposed to be in the same place. So, you know, talking about the competitive advantage and and how far teams or organizations are willing to go to make sure that no team has that advantage. That's just I just thought that was interesting. That was something that the Cowboys, uh, you know, were, were were expected to adhere to. So I kind of would wonder, to your point. Know what would and to, Aaron, to Aaron's point as well. What would the uh, Magic players be expected to do? But kind of staying on that topic a little bit, uh, you know, you know the world of, of the NBA player, the modern NBA, NBA player. Uh, you know the things like personal shifts and and guys sure. who stretch out the players and you know, kind of. I don't want to say the entourage because that makes it sound like it's just a you know three ring circus. But but you know the folks who get the. The, you know, the guys ready to play, whether it's, you know, LeBron or Steph or Giannis, whoever it may be. Do you envision that that um, that those folks would be able to come in as well or like, you know, or they'd be or would teams have to sacrifice and players have to sacrifice that for this period of time? That's a good question. I, the, the, I keep seeing the words, you know, uh, essential personnel, you know, it's, it's essential personnel. So what how that's being defined uh, I'm sure there's a lot of discussion about that right now, you know, among the team. So yes, you have, absolutely. You have, you know, the, the magic have, uh, you know, a, a huge commitment, uh, and, um, in, in, in nutrition, uh, and players have learned how to eat guys love, uh, you know, the, the team shift, uh, Zach, he does a great job with those guys. He's been, you know, for example, been in touch with them you know, during this hiatus to making sure that they're eating properly. So yeah, that's a, that is a, certainly a, a big part of, of an NBA player's, um, you know, routine and how he goes about playing in his job. I mean, it's really, I mean, if you think about it, it's, you know, th that's what they do. They play basketball. So that's, that's part of their job, you know, and, and depending on, I, I think it just sort of depends on what they are, what they want to do with these games. You know, there's, there's some discussion about, you know, they want to get to a 72 game threshold um, or do they want to get, finish out the 82 games and, and, or do they just want to get into the playoffs? So I think once you, once you see those resolutions uh, come around, then, you know, probably who's going to be allowed in and out will, will probably uh, come into focus a little bit more, but I think that certainly the players, you know, in, in regards to what they're having to, you know, sort of give up to, to, if they were to come to one place. Um, I, I, I don't think that that's much of a concession for the league to say, yes, you can bring these, these people in. I mean, obviously, you know, everybody's going to have to go through the same type of testing, uh, you know, and, and, and adhere to certain rules. So I, I think that they could easily make it work. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, one of the other things we've heard about is the possibility the players may be mic'd and, you know, uh, 
the three of us have been to four of us have uh, producers included been to uh, several NBA games and we, you know, hear things that most fans probably don't hear. So <laughs> what's, what's your thought on miking players uh, in, in what would otherwise be an empty arena? Yeah, I don't know that they necessarily have to really mic them. I mean, if they just had mics close to the court, we'd probably be able to pick up on most of the things that are said. I, they may, it may be a case where they, they look at delaying the broadcast a little more and maybe they're, you know, maybe they're in there and, and doing some more editing with that kind of stuff. But yeah, that, that, that could certainly get interesting really fast. Um, <laughs> you know, a lot of times it's, uh, I don't always necessarily hear the players as much as I hear the coaches, um, you know, so that's, and that can be pretty interesting too. Um, so I don't know if that's really something the NBA wants to get into, you know, as they get back into play, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I, I would say uh, that they'd have to be kind of careful. It may be some select players that they would do that for. And, and then, you know, that certainly going in, they would know. So they might, they might be um, a little less inclined to use colorful language. Roy, who wouldn't want to hear those conversations between Giannis and Aaron Gordon as they're going back and forth? Because that's something that I would pay to see. That's something that I would absolutely love. Well, but Roy, we'll, yeah. uh, we'll uh, get you out of here on this one. What would this mean for the city of Orlando? Not so much the basketball franchise and the team, but the city particularly. Well, I think that, you know, especially when you when you add in what MLS is discussing as well, you know, you, you could have two – you know, two major uh, professional sports leagues uh, using Orlando. Uh, so it's a, it's a chance for the city to showcase, you know, what it can offer. Uh, certainly it's, it's well known for its, for its attractions, uh, you know, and it's, it's really a, it's a really a pretty cool place. You know, there's a, certainly a culture and a, and a vibe to it uh, that, that could easily be portrayed. Um, you know, it's, I don't know about, uh, you know, how the NBA is going to, how they're going to proceed with family members, uh, being around. I, I just, I don't know, but I can't see, you know, players not bringing their families down, uh, you know, at least, you know, you know, their immediate family and just, you know, let them get a chance to, to see what it's all about. So really a chance to, for the, you know, for Orlando to, to show off, you know, sort of what it what it's made of. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. And last question. I, I know I said that last one was going to be your last one, but this one. That's <laughs> all right. One. No worries. Will, will we get to see any games out of your St. Louis Cardinals this year? Will they play <laughs> any baseball games? <laughs> I'm glad you asked that. That's a good, that's a great question. Uh, you know, it's, it's not looking good at this point. There's a, certainly a, a, a big, uh, gap between you know what's being offered and and from ownership and what the players are willing to do and and in terms of the economics alone are just uh, you know just not really it doesn't look good at this point I mean I know some teams have come back and they've opened up facilities and players are working out so you know that may that may uh, get them back into the mindset that they really missed the game. But, you know, you're talking about, it's, you know, really leaving a lot of money on the, on the, on the table. So I don't know. It's a good question. I certainly hope so. This was going to be, um, really looking forward to this season. Um, you know, it's probably going to be Adam Wainwright's final season in St. Louis, you know, Yachty's in his, the last year of his contract, the last extension that he signed. 
um, said he wanted to finish as a Cardinal. Then he said, hey, I might be open to some other, you know, some other team if they want to sign me. So there was that story that was playing out. Um, you know, just always, it's always exciting to see young players come up, especially Jack Flaherty. So I was really looking forward to this season. Um, my son reminded me the other day, uh, I think it was, uh, what was it, Wednesday or Thursday of last week? He said, Daddy, you know where we were a year ago? And I said, yeah, we were at Bush Stadium. So we were, we had seen them play the Royals last year around this time and uh, really enjoyed it. So um, keep my fingers crossed. Keep my fingers crossed. As a Royals fan, I'm waiting for the day that Yachty is no longer a member of the Cardinals. Hey, Roy, thanks so much. This was great to catch up. It was great to hear things from a Magic perspective, and hopefully we get NBA basketball back real soon. Yes, I think we all are looking forward to that. Thanks again for having me, Aaron. And sorry about spilling the coffee on you that one day. <laughs> no problem, my man. No problem. <laughs> that was dope. Well, once again, that was Roy Perry with the Orlando Sentinel covering the Orlando Magic. And look, I got to ask, what's with this coffee story, man? Oh, man. You just had to go there, didn't you? So, I had to. So, Otto, I am notorious for – I typically spill things. You know, five minutes before we even did this show, I had a glass of water and I literally spilt it. But um, uh, media – gatherings or shoot arounds as they're called among the folk i was always notorious for having a, a cup of coffee whether it was a branded coffee whether it was one in just my thermos and so you know how you get into a scrum and everybody's just trying to get their microphones in there because they're trying to get some kind of sound well i'm there holding my coffee in one hand holding my microphone in another roy comes in and just bumps me spills coffee all over my brand new shirt he'd been on the job maybe two weeks and all of a sudden, I have to walk around the rest of the day with spilt coffee on my shirt. It was a great mm. shirt, too. Still have that shirt. Haven't worn it since, but it was a good shirt. Reminds me of the opening of La La Land. <laughs> what a great movie, by the way. <laughs> you know, Where they're I, all I, dancing on the highway or whatever it is, well, and he's sitting in the car. Yeah, and then Emma Stone has the, has the, has the coffee incident. But then, you know, she, she gets the job and becomes a star in the end. So things are so, looking so good. So does this mean things I'm going to become look- a star in the end? Absolutely. Is that what you're, you're saying here? You're, you're already a star in my eyes. I like how you think, Otto. I like that. I like that. That sounds great for everybody. Right? So, so what? I'm a star. Yep, de- definitely. So, <laughs> so what's your take? I mean, are we are we playing ball in Orlando? Are we gonna, you know, NBA games by day, Space Mountain by so, night? What's what's going so, on here? So we we've been talking about this for the last few weeks, right? Like the most logical scenario included them forming some kind of a bubble city, right? And that bubble city was probably going to be the Walt Disney Walt Disney World because one of the amount of hotels that they have and that, where they can place players and staff and two, just the sheer amount of options that they would have, whether it is the field house that sits there on their campus, whether it's the G league um, stadium that resides 10 miles down I four, or if you even wanted to use the magics facility in some way, shape or form in downtown Orlando. So there's plenty of options. The thing that nobody seems to be talking about Otto is are these games going to be, and you'll, you'll remember this, for, for people who never watched Summer League action prior to Las Vegas, Orlando used to have their own version of the Summer League. Yeah. It was closed off. It was to scouts only. And it was held in their practice gym. And the only people that were allowed in this gym were scouts and media who were covering the game. And so you would watch it on TV and there might be two rows of just reporters and scouts all gathered together. And you'd be watching you know, guys who were recently drafted, guys who were playing for contracts, and they were fun and exciting games, but it was so up close and personal that it was weird, right? Like it was odd to watch these games taking place. 
that's what I picture this looking like, but even on a smaller scale, you know, it's one thing to talk about the Derrick Roses and the Russell Westbrooks and the Kevin Durant's playing summer league right after getting drafted, right. And playing mm-hmm. in that kind of an environment. Mm-hmm. It's another thing thinking of them doing that in a playoff format. Right. So I'm just having a hard time picturing it and I'm having a hard time imagining how you keep these people safe, regardless of if you think that you can contain a virus that cannot be seen. Right. Mm. Like that's the whole other thing that nobody seems to be talking about. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now that I imagine uh, testing that that's going to be the big question, whether they can secure all of the tests that they need for all of the personnel that would need to have tests. And of course, you know, as you go through the rounds, assuming that this does get off the ground, you need fewer tests because you're going to have fewer teams, you know, playing. But but at the outset, it it's it's you know there are a lot a lot of a lot of questions to and, uh, you and, know, and to is get is the idea that we're going to do this AAU style where there's a curtain between each court and you have maybe the Bucks and the Magic playing on one court and then the next court over you have like the Jazz and the Lakers playing. And, you know, those games are being individually televised, but it's like an AAU style setup. Is that where this is going and kind of where we're rushing to? Uh, it, it feels like that's probably what, it, what it's going to be. How many teams do you think could play at the or how many games could be run at the same time? You know, if you were to, to max, like what would be the maximum? It, it, game? If you're doing it traditionally off how those AAU styles are thing, I think traditionally there are four full courts. So you could have eight teams playing at once, right? Theoretically, if you're just trying to run through the regular season. But then on the back end of it, they're potentially talking about having full seven-game series and wanting to really appreciate the NBA playoffs for what it is and not change any of that idea of it. Well, it, and, the, and the other challenge you have is... It just is, doesn't or, make sense. Well, so, well, here's, well, here's the other thing you could do. You could have games, you know, you have your, I mean, kind of like Christmas Day, you have your you know, your 11 a.m. game or your noon game, depending on where you are, your, or your 9 a.m. game, depending on your West Coast, and, you know, having games kind of all through the day. So, which I would imagine um, you probably would want to have something along those lines. It would almost become like a day one, day two of the NCAA tournament where there are, you know, 12 hours of games and treat it like a, uh, a huge event and spectacle in addition to really good basketball. Wonderful. Which would be really fun because you'd have basketball all day, right? Like if you stagger the the Eastern time zone teams and play them in the morning and then you have the West Western Conference teams play late in the mm-hmm. night, that could be really fun and could be really exciting. Um, the, the, another thing that has not been mentioned is so much of this has been from the league's perspective and from them wanting to finish the season in some way, shape, or form and crown a champion. I am very surprised that we have not heard anything from LeBron. I'm surprised we have not heard anything from any other high-level players because they're they're a part of the equation, right? Like this is their safety, and this is them ramping up out of nowhere, out of a few months being off to finish high-level basketball games. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's one thing to say we should crown a champion and we should finish the season. And it's another, the, the, you know, from what we've seen to actually get to that point. And, and obviously the road between saying you want to have a champion uh, and crowning one is, is, you know, that, that's devil's in the details. So that... and just, just think about this. If LeBron goes out, tears an ACL in game one back in this bubble city and then misses most of next year, how crushing is that to the NBA? Is that a bigger loss to the NBA, him missing almost a season's worth of games 
to finish out a campaign where nobody else can be in attendance? Because those are the types of questions they're going to have to answer if something like this does happen. Yeah, I mean, look, we, we, we saw players, you know, Golden State had players go down after a full season in which they, you know, were, were you could debate whether they were, you know, tired or stressed or whatever. But the point is, you know, they played a full season in the conventional manner and guys went down with injuries. I mean, I think injuries are going to happen. I think the one thing that you have to guard against is making sure players are not being rushed back prematurely or that they're exerting themselves or taking on more than they should be taken on. But after that, I mean, if, if they're, they're healthy and they could play, I, I say, I say, I say they should play. And can we, can we do this double elimination style? Just put all teams in a bracket, let them play out, have a winners and losers bracket. And we can just have a month and a half worth of basketball in a bubble city. You know what? We're going to do it. We'll do it. <laughs> we, we we can schedule this. We'll, we'll we, do this all ourselves, right? We are doing it. I know. I don't know. We'll we'll call the league uh, or what we'll pay play, pay the players, but we're going to do it. You and me are going to do it. Did you ever watch that movie Basketball? And this can be our closing thoughts. But did you ever see the movie Basketball? So I'm I'm familiar with it. See, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the uh, I'm gonna take the Pearl Jam card that you took last week. <laughs> I'm familiar with it, but I've not seen it. <laughs> well, well, there's a scene at the end of the movies where they're talking about how their playoffs are going. And it's like a two-month grueling elimination tournament where there's like hacky sack rounds in there. There's um there's three-legged races. We could have all those types of things, you know, just do a single elimination tournament and just have nonsense throughout like basketball. I'd be all hey. for it. Well, hey, nonsense throughout. That's what we're about, right? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely well that that i think makes a show so uh thanks to everybody for listening to this edition of catch and shoot 2.0 thanks to our producers scott turkin and bruce bernstein and our editor ben wolfen oh and a special thanks to roy perry of the orlando sentinel for dropping by and dropping some knowledge on us if you didn't catch this week's shows here on pure hoops media here's what we had monday was the mike weiss show they put a capper on the last dance and the michael jordan docuseries that is a very good listen Tuesdays, Full Court Press with Fanta and Adams. Wednesdays, we are your spot. This is Catch and Shoot 2.0, where we talk all things basketball, specifically the NBA. Thursdays is Buckets, Boards, and Blocks with Monica McNutt. And as always, on Fridays, it is our flagship podcast with Eric Newman and BJ Armstrong. Hey, guys, if you like the show, all that we ask is that you rate and subscribe and follow us on all your social channels and share the show as well. And fans of the show, we're going to ask you one more thing, and you know what I'm going to say. Uh, as the Memorial Day weekend is now behind us and summer is in front of us, uh, we want to make sure that everyone is still continuing to do their part in practicing safe social distancing. Uh, much respect, much love to first responders, doctors, nurses, firefighters, police, so on and so forth, um, um, grocery store clerks, you name it. We want everybody to be safe, be smart, and enjoy healthy, happy summer. Captain Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.